Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Dave Albert. In this show, I talk about technology, building a company as a CTO and co-founder, and have guests to discuss their roles in technology and entrepreneurship. Hey there, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode, I remember the word this time, of... Uh, the podcast this episode how about all right i'm gonna leave that in there i said i was gonna go raw so i'm really gonna go raw well if i make mistakes that's what happens uh which is you know the case in real life so today uh today uh, this episode uh, i say wow i've got to get better at this don't i <laughs> please don't run away yet uh, I'm going to tell you about um, yesterday. So yesterday I went to uh, an interesting conference and an interesting meetup. Uh, the uh, conference was the National Analytics Conference. So in the last episode I mentioned that we're losing our current data person. So I went to this uh, analytics and data conference hoping to find some connections or possibly uh, somebody who could be an employee or maybe a, a service that could help us out while we're in the process of trying to find a replacement. Uh, we, we've got someone working with us a little bit as an intern, but hopefully that turns into a, to a real thing. A uh, nice full-time team member. Uh, we'll see. The conference was pretty interesting um it was a good mix of some i wouldn't say startups so they they mentioned startups but some enterprise some <clears throat> government agencies and some consultant types who were used to working with pretty large enterprises um the first speaker was uh, Chris Williams, the chief architect of Watson at IBM. Uh, I, I believe that's in Europe, probably not worldwide, but I could be wrong. I, I, I can't remember. I remember at least one of the uh, speakers, one of the events I went to yesterday that it had chief something and it was for Europe, but it was not mention that it was Europe. So um, he was talking about uh, obviously Watson and said that uh, AI is really augmented intelligence instead of artificial intelligence. I thought that was pretty interesting. I think we all kind of know that intuitively, but the artificial intelligence seems like it's a little more scary, uh, the machines taking over. Whereas the augmented intelligence is, you know, what it really is, which is the same as technology. Technology just augments our life. It doesn't replace what we do. Well, I guess technically it does replace what some people do. Um, 
but it hasn't replaced people that may have replaced some of the tasks that people do so computers are never going to think for us they're going to assist us in thinking so i found that pretty interesting showing how the ai and machine learning can be used to improve people's lives um, you know at our product medit that we're in the process of building we're using machine learning and ai to help sift through the massive amounts of information for the healthcare providers so we want to find the most relevant information and you know computers are pretty good at identifying patterns and so if we can identify what uh levers to look at well, i get see i am not the data person i'm the tech guy I can, I can deploy things, I can uh, write code, but using the right words sometimes escape me. Uh, so the right uh, elements, gosh, I can't think of what that's called. Anyway, if you look at the right vectors, yes, I believe that's the word I'm looking for. If you look at the right vectors, a computer can, you know, categorize and identify matching elements and deliver that to the users so that they're not sifting through piles of junk or <clears throat> things that they're not interested in which it would be great if I could get some AI to scan through social media and remove all the politics uh, I don't have that person's name I'm actually going to go and grab the paper so that I can uh, say who this is hang on and I'm back uh, sorry about that uh, so Rob Crisman the data and analytics advisory leader for EY in the UK and Ireland he had a, a pretty interesting slide that uh, a common question that he gets is why can't I see it which is extremely relevant to what we're doing at the moment so even if you track everything if you can't find it or see it what's the value which that that is so relevant to us because we're not a hundred percent sure of all the elements that we'll want to track and analyze so we have to track everything but if everything gets tracked and we don't have a good way to figure out what we need to care about then what's the point uh, so it's we need to move from insights to action and then to value so you can't forget about the value you know it's just like I like to remember about agile that it's not about doing work faster it's about delivering value to your users and customers more quickly um, the next point was from Yvonne Holmes the head of business performance and analytics at AIB which is a pretty large bank in Ireland and 
<clears throat> she said that the uh, people don't remember facts. They remember a story. So she showed us her own story moving towards a, a kind of a transformation within their large organization to use analytics to deliver more value for the business. <clears throat> uh, so as an example, before telling her story, well, uh, her team's story, she showed some slides about uh, storytelling from Barack Obama, where it was about his hope and change speech, where it, it begins with evoking an emotion such as pride. And then you revoke and revoke that emotion. So you, you show how it's not as good as it could be and then show how you're going to make it better by so reframe. So he evoked the pride and where he came from and then revoked it by explaining how poor the education system is and then reframed it with hope plus action. So it's the, I don't know if anyone has seen the uh, Kurt Vonnegut describing the different types of stories and that step one is it has to go up and then it has to go down and then it comes back up. And so I guess that's the typical uh, redemption story. So it's all about the, the emotion that people find. So you need to use that in telling your own story. So whether that's telling it to your customers and your users or telling it to the people who work for or with you, that is how you get people to, to buy in to what it is you're trying to, to sell. I mean, and not just sell as in trade for money, but to sell the idea or to get buy-in from your team. Uh, I th uh, you know, it's a, I think we all have heard at one point or another that it's about the story, but I thought that the way she described it was a pretty good reminder of how you need to structure your story to make sure that it has those elements of ups and downs. Um, then during a panel discussion, <clears throat> there was a, uh, a really interesting, um, quote that, that a gentleman gave that was, there's no such things as products or service. It's all stories, which I think that's, that's really neat. It's, um, you know, it's, it's about the story your customers, clients buy into about you or about the future your offering will bring them. It's not about features, you know, the same way that you often hear it's about the, the problems you've solved for them, not the features that you bring them. Um, it's about who they are when they use your products or service. So it's the story that gets told whether from you to them or that they tell themselves. I, I, we've all seen that in our own lives. How many times have you wanted some 
toy. <laughs> a toy, I mean an electronic tool, a phone, a laptop, a tablet, a video game system, a motorcycle, you know, whatever it is. And before you get it, <clears throat> you have a, a story of what it's going to do for you. And then sometimes it's true. And sometimes it's just another thing that becomes clutter around you. So it's about that story. It's not about the actual physical object that you try to acquire. So that, that was the first section of the conference, which was turning insights into action data analytics and organizational strategy. So I, I found several, several points were pretty thought provoking. And I actually had a, a few personal things that I wrote down to, to focus on in my own life, uh, uh, not as related to data as you would think, and more about how I just want to live myself live my own life as opposed to specifically looking for the information on data and finding someone for our team. The uh, second session was the theme of the emerging business and technology landscape. That session, I, I'm not sure that I did or didn't care for any of it, but I seem to have not written down anywhere near as many notes. So I don't know if maybe I was getting tired by the end of the day, or I'd also met a person who does sourcing on, uh, of data, AI, ML type people and knew that I had a solution uh, for part time, for part time, no, a partial solution uh, to help us through some of the rougher patches where we don't have the expertise on the machine learning so that we could get over some humps. So it's, it's potential that I'd, I'd started to focus on thinking about how we were going to do those elements of improving our app as opposed to really hearing some of what was spoken about at that second session, but also they seem to be a little bit more uh, above or not above. They just, they seem to be more, more focused at larger organizations. Um, but there, there was one, one thing that I wrote down or actually I posted on Instagram the who was this this was that was the Carol I don't seem to have his first name ah James Carroll he is the group head of consulting and MasterCard so um, here in Ireland, MasterCard seems to have quite an interesting group 
of developers working on some solutions. So one of his quotes through the day was to anticipate, anticipate what people will want next. Stop looking at your customers and look at other businesses. So I'm not sure if I agree with that or not. <coughs> oh, pardon me. Um, so I get an idea of what they're saying that just the same way that if what was it, Henry Ford said that if he'd asked his customers what they wanted, that they'd have wanted a faster horse and you know the smartphone would never been in, have been invented because they didn't exist before they existed uh, technically I mean I, Palm Pilot I suppose was kind of a smartphone uh, in fact at one point it was a smartphone because there was that one Palm Pilot that had a cell phone built into it um, but to the idea is not if you're going to innovate you may need to focus on what other verticals are doing and try to adapt some of their thinking to what you're doing uh, he gave an example but uh it, so yeah the example was that larger companies that are more tech focused like amazon alibaba um, a few other, uh, probably Apple, that if you take what they're doing, that a slower moving industry like banking and finance can apply those same techniques and learnings and leapfrog other banking businesses as opposed to asking what customers want. Which I think can kind of be related to, you know, it for a bank it's so painful to move from one bank to another that you'll put up with worse products and by products I mean uh, tools like their websites and their mobile apps because the hassle of changing all your account information at all the different places that touch your account is so that, that threshold of pain is so high that you just can't imagine having to to go to a new bank just for a possibly slightly better uh, online experience. So I can see it, but also you know don't focus on don't obsess over your competition, obsess over your customers. So I don't know. It's an interesting one. I'd love to hear what people think. So, I mean, anytime you want to reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or email, um, I'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, uh, tell me to, to talk about something else or to shut up or whatever. I, I just love to hear what you have to, to say. So that seems to be all I've got on the uh, analytics conference. Uh, then later in the day after I actually got some code written and some pull requests taken care of I made it to an AWS meetup and that was really really useful so uh, the first speaker was 
See, I, I can't remember how he pronounced his name. Yevgeny? He goes by Jim, anyway. Brickman. He's the author uh, of a couple of books on Terraform and startups. He did. Uh, he's a co-founder of a company called Gruntwork.io, and he spoke about Terraform and using Terraform modules to make your infrastructure components reusable. I can't wait to dig into Terraform. A lot of our, well, uh, yeah, a lot of our automations built in Ansible, and I really do enjoy Ansible, and it it does what we need, but. Terraform does some really interesting things. Um, you know, I always like HashiCorp products, but Terraform just looks so good. And it's really nice that it its convention includes testing, which I think most tev uh, DevOps tools are neglecting. So I'm going to give it a go probably over the weekend when I've got some extra time ha <laughs> uh, yeah when you're in a startup there's no such thing as extra time uh, so it you know terraform not only can run the uh, bootstrapping and automations of installing software but it can also interface with your cloud provider to spin up those hosts I mean uh, you know Kubernetes can do that. I'm sure there's ways for Ansible to to do the same. But Terraform, the testing built in as a convention, the amount of uh, libraries available already look pretty compelling. So I'm going to take a look at it and see if it's worth trying to move or possibly in conjunction with Ansible since those playbooks are already written so I don't know I'll, I'll let you know when I've had a chance to deal with it and see what's what and keep you updated <clears throat> the uh, next speaker was Hitor Lisa he's a solutions architect from AWS uh, talking about serverless so AWS lambdas um, I, he was directly describing a reason that I haven't used lambdas as a production solution so far and that when you move to a lambda or serverless to not basically try to build a monolith so I wouldn't say that I was necessarily trying to build a monolith, but I think I was building endpoints that were too large. So instead of potentially one endpoint per lambda, I was basically trying to replicate a, a large set of rests. So, for example, posts. So posts would be the articles that get posted that we do, do uh, that we deliver within Medit, and I was thinking to basically build posts, all the the gets, the puts, the posts, um, as one lambda, and that's 
not the right way to do it. What you want to do is build more a uh, a constellation of services, is what he called it, <clears throat> and to use step functions so that each step that needs to be done is its own function, and and that that makes it seem a little in, a little more interesting. I really want to hear what people who've used lambdas in production have to say you know what was good what was bad there's seems to be some more tests uh testing tools <clears throat> available now than there were when i first looked into lambdas so that makes me a bit more comfortable and coming soon are blue green deployments so that is really nice and if you're not familiar with blue green deployments that's where you have uh, one version call it blue then you're able to deploy another version green and bring down blue but then if green doesn't work you can take it offline and bring back up blue instantly and that way you don't have excessive downtime I uh, you know I, I do that with our current application servers and using docker containers can actually run side by side so you know you can do if you have enough blues or enough greens you could have uh, you know canary testing so one out of ten to be the new version and check your analytics to validate that you aren't getting unexpected results so lambdas may be the future but I'm still not a hundred percent convinced but very possible. The next speaker was interesting enough. The um, product looked nice, but it was more enterprisey than I was interested in. Though he did have one pretty funny line where he said that uh, because he was starting his live demo that he, he was from Australia, that they called that brown trouser time. So uh, that gave me a pretty good laugh. Uh, who else did we have? Ah, we had Ian Massingham, uh, AWS Worldwide Lead and Chief Evangelist. So I've seen him present a few times and always good. Uh, this one was about the uh, voice, chatbots, Lex. Uh, so AWS Lex, which is their uh, language parser, which is part of what Alexa uses. So he was saying that, you know, the voice interface is hugely powerful for providing access to the differently abled and disenfranchised people. So whether that's someone who doesn't have the ability to see, read, um, or, or or whatever, but that has you know the ability to speak and hear. Obviously, would be pretty important for voice. That 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 actually is a a connection to the internet, which is basically becoming the world. So, you know, older people. Uh, so, so people who are less able to use phones and computers 
as long as they've still got their voice and hearing, you know, then they, they haven't been cut off from the rest of the world. And I remember hearing that some someone who, who dealt with people at a retirement home or possibly a nursing home, that it actually was comforting because it was almost like company, which is kind of sad to hear as a human, but I could see myself being just as happy talking to a computer as to other people sometimes. <laughs> um, so Lex with uh, the parser, it works with more than just Alexa though. So it works well with Facebook Messenger and Twilio and that, that's just a few of the things. So it's becoming an easy way to interface with all the learnings they have, both with text and with voice, to your offering, you know, connecting your application through some sort of conversational interface, whether that's, you know, a chat bot or a voice bot. I think that that's, that's really interesting where that's headed as long as it's done right. You know, I had to, I'm still unhappy with the results from Siri. Um, unfortunately, I can't buy an Alexa easily here in Ireland. Um, well, I mean, I could, but they don't ship here. They do ship. They just don't ship those devices. So I'd have to buy uh, a service that lets you ship it somewhere in the UK and then they bring it over here just I'm not that interested in getting one yet just not enough time to play with it um, another funny thing is that uh, Alexa gets told I love you a lot and I'm guessing that it's it's more than any of us get told that uh, and I found out that AWS has a twitch twitch.tv slash AWS at first I was like what what why why and then my second thought was, hmm, I, I should check that out. I wonder what they're, what they're showing there. So that that was a pretty good demo. Uh, I created a, you know, a chatbot with Lex, which uh, looks like all the other tools that are used to do that. But it's the power behind it that I'm sure is, is where the real usefulness lies. And then the last one was Alan Kiernan um, of Ryanair and Cadillon Dynamics. I, I think I'm saying that right. I hope so. Uh, so Ryanair is a, an airline not usually known for anything other than cheap flights, but supposedly they're trying really hard to reposition themselves as a customer service brand. Uh, you know, there were rumors at one point that they were going to charge to use the, the toilets. I don't think that ever actually happened. And I don't think, well, I don't know whether or not it was really discussed, but there were rumors of it. Uh, probably just a joke. But they've created a, a an Alexa a, a skill that allows you to search for travel. Uh, flights and hotels and a few other t 
types of accommodation through Alexa, and he was using one of the, I, I, can't, I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically a, a visual version of Alexa. So there's a screen, looks kind of like a tablet, or a bit like a one of those electronic picture frames. But what's interesting to me about it is that that device reminds me of, you know, a, a really small TV. So either Amazon's basically one small step away from an Amazon TV with picture in picture of Alexa. So you tell your TV to change the channel and order stuff for you and all the things Amazon want you to do. That could be pretty interesting. I don't know if I would want one because I still need to try Alexa or the dot. Um, but I, I'm excited about where voice technology is going. You know, we, we all, well, all of us older nerds, you know, love the old sci-fi computer. Do something for me. Um, that'd be pretty nice if it could interface with the actual real world the way that you saw it in Star Trek. But that's enough for today. Uh, well, today, this is the other episode, but that's enough for this episode. So thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Until next time, remember, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. <laughs>